Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwave style at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who, like Tara Knowles, are never getting out of charming. <laughs> Incredible. The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Okay, so we were just talking about Brad Pitt. Yep. Um... And since we recorded that episode, I did watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, let's hear it. So, I just want to tell you and the world (laughs) that that movie sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I was so disappointed. It was hyped way higher than it needed to be. I just am... It just makes me angry. I'm absolutely flummoxed as to why everyone loved it so much. So I think I can answer the question of why people loved it. I loved certain things about it. And I hated, like, viscerally hated other things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that sometimes what happens when you see a film by a director like Quentin Tarantino... He's definitely very much an acquired taste. Absolutely. And, and and I think that this one, because of the way that he's been like, I'm only going to make ten movies and blah, 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 and this is like the ninth one and all this kind of stuff, I sort of feel like <clears throat> that was part of the hype. Is like gotcha. This is sort of like, this is kind of like, this one should have been the sort of magnum opus. Uh, it's the longest of all of them, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. Is it ever? And, by a lot. And it was, like, overly long. There were parts that definitely could have been cut out. Um, like, a lot of it. And, like, Lena Dunham just... Ugh, anyway, here we are. Um, I'm surprised but, that that bothered you so much. She was in the movie for, like, seven seconds. I know, but the, I, all of that, I don't even know was necessary. Agreed. Except it, it's <laughs> the only thing. The only thing that made it necessary was to tie the people at the ranch. I guess this is spoilers now for this movie. Um, to tie the people at the ranch to the murder. That but was the only. Still... But we didn't need all of the things. I didn't need Dakota Fan. Like I didn't need to. I didn't no. need any of that stuff. No. Uh, I, we needed to see what's his face, the dude that Cliff beat up. Yeah. Um. And that's about it. And I guess that girl, whatever her name was, um, which we both agreed was a good thing that uh, Brad Pitt's character... He did character not have sex with her? Did not have sex with her, yes. And I was like, oh, look at that Cliff growth. Um, I don't anyway. think that's Cliff. I think that's Quentin. Maybe. Perhaps. Except that, like, it was it was a really... It was an interesting thing, because that was definitely where that was going. And he was just like, mm, nope. Which I thought was good. It was a good choice. Um... I think the thing that people really liked about it is the thing that people really like about Tarantino movies always is you know that there's like this sort of violent reckoning coming at the end. Mm-hmm. Like you know it's coming and so like I think part of it is just the the setup the tension, for that. Yeah. yeah. Which I do have to say I think that the way that they did that the like the revisionist part of that history was really interesting. Um See, that's what made me Okay, that's what made me frustrated because I thought the most suspenseful part of the movie was when it was the Brad Pitt versus Dakota Fanning 
mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, is this guy going to be like a fucking mummy in this bed? Like, mm-hmm. what is going on? And that was like really creepy. And it made it made no sense how tense everyone was because that dude is obviously like on board for everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, sure, go talk to him. Like, why the fuck would we care? So it was like unearned tension. Yep. But what made me so frustrated about the movie is that... (sighs) I'm trying to articulate this in a way that isn't offensive. (laughs) So we're going to have 17 minutes of silence while Kelsey... uh... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying so hard. Um essentially oh my goodness, what's the what's the actress's name who died? Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate, thank you. Sharon Tate lived to benefit a man's career. Mm-hmm. Is essentially the outcome mm-hmm. of this story. And that is the only reason she lived was because Leo's character had this dream of like everything's gonna work out if I could just be friends with the mega star director next door. Yes, and not it was... that I need to stop drinking and get my life together. None of that. Nothing. Nothing that he has control over. Mm-hmm. But I am going to rely on fate, not murdering a woman who lives next door to me. Yes. So the thing, yes, and and what I liked though, however, about that ending, because you're right, it, it, the the frustrating part, like the the Sharon Tate story, is so tragic. It's awful. It's um, awful. And Margot Robbie was phenomenal. Watching her like be Sharon Tate, watching herself in a movie was just like the most. That incredible was thing. really cute. Um, and she was just and like every time they had scenes with her, and I really like there are things about Tarantino movies that I notice all the time, and one of the things I really liked about this one was how it was shot and how it was colored, um, mm-hmm. because every time she was on screen, except when she was in the movie theater, because it was by nature it's a dark place, it was very bright and sunshiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lighting is very warm. Like there is, so there's some very obvious sort of lighting cues and and some symbolic things that they chose to do. And I thought it was really, really well done um, in that respect. And that was one of the things I really liked about it. I thought the cinematography was phenomenal. Um, it was probably his best looking movie mm-hmm. by a long shot. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it, it didn't. It didn't have the same like stylistic feeling like you know when you watch like a guy Ritchie movie or something you know right away yeah uh it it didn't immediately to me feel like a tarantino movie mm-hmm. it felt like that sort of like big old you know sort of hollywood epic kind of deal yeah it felt um, like a true period piece yeah which i thought was really really cool like the the recreation of los angeles in that time period and just just all of the fine little details right which i thought was really really neat and i liked how this how certain characters were portrayed um, I liked some of the quieter moments, like when, um, Leo's character was on set with the little girl. Yes, the little girl is a fucking champion, and everything about that scene is all on her. Yes, like, oh, of course. It was, but, like, that little scene, I really loved it, because she, she acted the hell out of it, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. but it was, it was the only time I felt that his character, like, had any sort of dropped any of his pretense oh yeah he was like that was the only time in the 
whole movie that I felt he was three dimensional. Mm-hmm. Which is so <laughs> absurd because it's like, okay, Quentin, what are you trying to, what are you trying to get at here? That like working actors have no soul because they play the same characters over and over, like. It was just, it was really bizarre trying to figure out what his endgame was with this. Well, film. I mean, the main character of the movie was Cliff and not whatever, what's his face? Like, that's the whole thing, right? Even though it's designed to be, you think that it's the other way around. Like, I, that's how I sort of looked at it. It was like, I, it You think was the clear. main character's Cliff? Much, well, more so, yeah, absolutely. Because you learn, you learn more about him than you do about I don't remember Leo's character's name like that's that's sort of where I'm at right but like I just feel that the the focus of everything sort of he's the linchpin of all the things that go on because I while Leo's so. off on set having tantrums and whatever Cliff's like meeting the Manson family and you know what I mean? and which becomes of course important later on um mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff I thought like I just I, I don't know I thought it was like a really odd sort of um, way to tell a story. It was really pretty in in so many ways. Like, I really, really liked what it looked like. Um, Cliff definitely killed his wife, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> like, it's such a, it's such a weird, like, thing. Because you that's... get this weird backstory and then, like, you find out that his wife is dead and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> And that's, like, one of the reasons why... (sighs) Okay, okay. This is one of the things that made me so upset about this movie. Because it essentially is, like, a set of, I don't know, eight or nine ten-minute vignettes Mm -hmm. that have no (laughs) overarching connected tissue other than the people in them continue on their own story Mm -hmm. like the shit about um what's his nuts uh bruce lee Mm -hmm. like uh, how is that crucial so it just tells us that cliff is you know arrogant and so was bruce lee and they got into a fight and then he got fired like yeah and that's supposed to be in the past it's like okay but like we already know those things. We already mm-hmm. know that he's impetuous and ridiculous, but it doesn't add anything to the rest of the film. It's just so bizarre. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, there's, but like, like I say, I understand why people really, really loved it. Um, and I liked things about it and hated things about it so I can't say on the whole that I really really loved it I didn't hate the movie but there were things about it where I was just like why is happening uh the thing with the flamethrower mm-hmm. I went so I went with a buddy of mine we went and saw it in theaters um and when the, the flamethrower was like the first time we saw the flamethrower I had no idea what was coming at the end and I was like we're gonna see that flamethrower again I leaned over and said that to him um, because I was just, it was just the way that that scene was done. It was, it was like a, that part was like, it was directed by Spike Lee. It was like, this is a very important thing. 
mm-hmm. watch how important this prop is. And I was just like, ugh, fine. Um, and then we saw the flamethrower at the end, and I was like, oh, sweet. Um, the the thing I think, here's, this is what I think. Uh, I think the thing about Cliff's wife is important only because at the end, it shows that, like, yes, obviously they there was the home invasion and they were, you know, like, being attacked ultimately by people. Um, but Cliff just with, like, absolutely no second thought just beat the living shit out of that girl. So essentially, like, he's capable of murder. Yes, and I think that's the reason that we needed to see that little but bit of But he was high on story. acid. Well, of course he was, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's, like, that's the thing. It's, like, all of this stuff that, that Tarantino throws into his films... Uh, in hopes that some of it sticks. This movie could have done with about 45 minutes less. Absolutely. Um, and a tighter a tighter narrative. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it's not bad. And I like that at the end of it all, I mean, yes, I agree with you what you say about how Sharon Tate lives to like further a man's career. But I like that he doesn't kill her. Oh, absolutely! The right? whole the whole movie. I was so afraid. I was like, "Oh, sweet, ter- like, oh, sweet yeah. Sharon Tate. It's gonna happen soon." Yeah, I hate yeah. this. I hate this. This is so awful. And like, they paint her as just this lively and fun and like gorgeous person who's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit dull, <laughs> mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. honest, and very but- naive. I'm very nice, but I was just like, I was terrified the whole time. I was like, this is yeah. terrible. Yeah. And so when that doesn't happen, there is that little bit of a relief. And I remember when I went to see it, I, I said to my buddy, I was like, so here's the thing. It didn't feel to me like a Tarantino movie until probably halfway through. Oh, I'd say until they fucking showed up at the house. Like, there were... And there Maya were ele- was like, buh bye <laughs> There were elements of it, right? But it didn't have that feeling where when you're watching something like Inglorious Bastards or, you know, Pulp Fiction, like it doesn't have that same feel right off the hop. It's not, it's not a stylistic Tarantino film. There were mm-hmm. things about it though that I was like, okay, this is clearly a thing that's coming back in later. Like you can kind of see it. Um, but I liked that about it, that it didn't feel like one of his movies all the way through. Because in that respect, it wasn't predictable to me. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to the end and they don't do the thing that you expect they're going to do. Because that's what, it, you know, the, all the things I heard about the movie is like, oh, it's about this the time period around the murder of Sharon Tate. And I was like, oh, so obviously we're going to see Sharon Tate get murdered. Cool. You know, like, that's what I need to see today. And then it didn't happen. I was like, oh. <laughs> that's what I need to see today. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when it didn't happen, I was just like, huh. All right. Interesting. That's a and then then like the t- then the title of the film makes sense right the whole like yeah, fantasy aspect of those things right and but no I mean it was fine it wasn't great it's not my favorite Tarantino movie there are things about it that I loved Brad Pitt taking his shirt off yeah okay just do that all the time it was I read a I read an article actually about his character um, and that particular scene the the shirt taking off the shirt was scripted but it, he was supposed to do. Like the Hawaiian shirt first, and then the T-shirt. And asinine, Brad Pitt, absolutely as Yeah, Brad Pitt was like Cliff would never, and just took both shirts off at the same time, and they were like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> Which I just thought was really funny. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there was a lot of challenging stuff about it, and 
What frustrates me is now that Quentin's like in this stage of his career, like it's so, a lot of his films are like this, but it's so like self-masturbatory about the filmmaking process. Yes. Like the whole, there's a freaking 12 minute sequence of Leo just performing scenes of a film we never see. Mm-hmm. And him fucking up the lines just mm-hmm. over and over. And it's just like, this is so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> you tell me the film isn't actually about him. It's like, well, why the fuck did we waste all that time on it then? Yeah, I don't, but see, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily about him. Like we learned certain things about his marriage and whatever, whatever, but it's such like a weird, it's being, it, that gets told to us as if we're watching a film. Whereas mm-hmm. the stuff we learned about Cliff is, like, stuff that Cliff does. And, how, you know what I mean? I like, guess so. To me, like, to me, it, feel, it felt like Cliff was sort of rooted in the present of the film. And Leo's stuff was rooted in the past of the film. Hmm. And that was kind of the thing that, um, that was sort of the thing that, like... That, that caught me. And it's interesting, too, because, like, I mean, as we know, Brad Pitt won the Oscar for that. I thought he was great in it. He was. Like, regardless of anything about the film, I thought he was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, I thought he was great. Because he, he, he really embodied that, like, kind of, like, <laughs> I don't want to say washed up, because he was never the star. Right, because well, like, he was never like... he was never the movie star, but he's in that like he's starting to kind of come to grips with the mm-hmm. reality of his situation as someone who's getting a little bit older, and the job that he's chosen has not been is not something that he can keep doing. No, he's becoming obsolete. Yeah, and and I felt like he really did a great job, sort of with that. Uh, which is why when he picked up uh, Margaret Qualley's character, whatever her name was, I was like, oh, no, no, don't do it. Because in my head, based on what we already knew about him by that point, I was like, oh, yeah, he would definitely do that to feel better about Alive. himself. Yeah. And I'm just glad that didn't go in that direction. Cough, Jack's Teller, cough. <laughs> oh, oh, is that where we are now? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> no, just wait, I have one more thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> or two things, I guess. I thought that uh, I didn't think Leo was super great in that movie. Nope. But I did actually really enjoy Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that I'm saying that. I don't think Al Pacino's actually, same with Robert De Niro, like actually acted in about 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> like they've been they've been riding on their own coattails and playing themselves essentially. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. And I thought this movie was very different for, for Al Pacino and I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Also he was. he was very annoyed me very much and I believe I talked to you about this about how um Margaret Qualley's character, they make the point to show she's not shaving her armpits. Good for her. She's a Mm -hmm. hippie. But, oh, look at those pristine and gorgeous and leggy frickin' Mm -hmm. gams she's got that are absolutely hairless. Mm -hmm. Makes no fucking sense, dude. Yeah, if we're going, like, period authentic here, with that, you, you absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Um... 
Yeah, that's funny you say that about Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I was just thinking about movies that I've seen one or both of them in, uh, you know, one or the other. And the one I think that Robert De Niro has actually acted the most in was, um, in recent years anyway, was The Intern. Oh, really? I didn't even bother. You know what? It's not, like, it's not he's terrible. He's not going to do anything for me. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not terrible, actually. I quite liked it. I like Anne Hathaway. It was, it was fun. Um... But no, that's probably one where where he like, he's not the, your normal like typical tough guy, mm-hmm. um, because he's a seventy year old intern at a clothing company, <laughs> which is just like kind of a weird, an odd premise. But no, I really liked him in that. I thought he was uh, much more like it was like if my dad got a job at a clothing company, I was like, oh, that's nice, <laughs> and he didn't have that like same sort of you know normal persona that he would have had in other films yeah he seems to think that like he is someone who lives in the godfather yeah but you know rather what, though, than someone who like is was, an actor was in, the, <laughs> was in the godfather rather than living in it um yeah. but the thing is i don't know if you've listened to any of his like political shit well he's an anti-vaxxer and he's he's got some strange beliefs but he also really really fucking hates trump which i'm like yeah okay and so when he gets on it i'm like yeah i'll, I'll accept it it's fine um, <laughs> just, just do your thing man you're mm. you're you're older than dirt <laughs> it's all good older than dirt. it's true actually did you know fun fact about dirt uh that the life cycle what the fuck of, where could this be going that the life cycle of like your average soil is 32 years that what it does basically that mean life cycle. Well, so soil is only good as long as there's like nutrients in it, and uh-huh. a normal. That's why like farmers have to leave, or should be leaving fields fallow every yeah. few years to like let the soil regenerate. Um, but with like yeah, soil will basically give you thirty two years of growth before it needs to be completely replaced. Well, Megan, I got four months left. <laughs> <laughs> And then you will be older than dirt, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, then I will be essentially useless as old dirt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just I thought that was a really interesting thing that I read because I was curious to know about like the the phrase itself, where it came from, and then I started doing some reading, and then I discovered that dirt is actually the oldest the dirt finite. Is, <laughs> yeah, that there's actually yeah, there's a time limit on it. So like being older than dirt isn't really that that remarkable. But also, like, how depressing. No wonder people, you know, 200 years ago only lived to 45. They're still older than dirt. Um, Okay, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, Chibs and Bobby, because the rest of them are really annoying. (laughs) Okay, so this is all about season five, and then because Megan is a fucking liar. (laughs) Whoa! This is what I do of season six. (laughs) Whoa, whoa! I really was gonna stop, but I couldn't. That cliffhanger was too much. We made a pact to only watch season five and then talk about season five. And then you texted me, it was like, "Oh yeah, I watched episodes one and two of season six. I was like, "What?" The fuck? I didn't. You didn't have to do it yourself. I haven't watched any since. Um, also, I would like to point out that there have been times you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna watch one episode, and then like four hours later, you're like, yeah, I didn't watch just one episode. So I feel like we're both out. <laughs> <laughs> that's true 
Okay, alright, let's talk about season five of Sons of Anarchy, because holy shit did some things happen. <sighs> season five, I think, like, honestly, out of all of them, I think was the best season. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed the new guest actors of Jimmy Smith's and Harold Pirino, and then the hot dude from How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> and it just made me, like, remember how fucking good Harold Pirino was in Lost, and it just makes me so mad. Um, Whenever I see him on screen, I just think of him as Mercutio in um, Romeo and Juliet, and, and how great he was in that. He's so good as Mercutio. It's just like he's so fantastic. I wish he was in more things. But guest actors this season were fucking phenomenal. Also phenomenal, as mentioned, is the Jack's Bobby Chibs triumvirate. Yes, that's like the only <laughs> thing that's like holding this club together. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, because now that I've watched the first few episodes of season six, I'm trying to just keep it all straight. And I really did not expect, so essentially the whole season hinges upon, like, Jax has leadership now, and there has to be some sort of resolution for what do you do with a problem like Clay Morrow? How do you solve a problem like Clay Morrow? Exactly. (laughs) And I, so far, am extremely disappointed. (laughs) Like, I understand how he can't kill Clay because the Irish won't deal with Jax. They'll only deal with Clay. Mm -hmm. Fine. Jax has worked his fucking dick off along with Bobby to find an alternative so that the cartel doesn't need the Irish. Mm -hmm. They have a different way of getting guns. Mm -hmm. And, like, everything that he does, I was just like, oh, shit, that's a good idea. Oh, shit, that's a good idea. Like, he's... Mm -hmm. So impressive how Jax has been able to do all these things and, like, do them fucking quick. Mm hmm Season five does not take place over a huge amount of time. And yet, Clay is just... (sighs) Clay's gonna Clay, man. Mm hmm He's gonna keep secrets. He's gonna go behind everybody's back and essentially undermine every good thing in the show. Yes. And I was just absolutely gobsmacked how everybody was just like, no, we can't tell the club. We can't tell the club. We can't tell the club. And it's just like, no, you fucking tell the club. I'm going to go back to the question that I asked uh, or said something said to you uh, in season three, maybe, is that 98% of all of these problems could have been resolved if more than two people had had a conversation ever. Yes, and especially when, like, all of the secrets around Rico falls apart. Now everybody knows it, and which is fine. That's good. I think mm-hmm. it's important to tell your clubmates who engage in this illegal activity with you that there was a huge 
potential problem that has been solved currently, but could potentially be a problem in the future. And so what I, Jax, am going to do is try to get us out of that shit so we don't all go to jail. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that so hard to get on board with? I know, it... To me, it was really funny as I was watching I was thinking kind of the same thing. And the thing that I was thinking about, what it reminds me of, is right now in this, like, fucking weirdo world we're living in. Did you notice that I did not call it a certain thing? Um, (laughs) That, like, it's the people who won't wear masks. Yes, absolutely. Like, to me, it's the very same thing. It's like, could you just do the fucking thing so that we don't all end up dead? Yeah, like, it's not about you as an individual. Yeah, it's about, it's the greater good of all of us. And, like, I kind of feel, and, and I feel like in the, the context of, of the motorcycle club, I sort of feel like there's a brotherhood element there that they should just be like, yeah, yeah, we're on board with this because we should be on Absolutely. board with this. Absolutely. And for some reason, even though there is a shit ton of reasons why everyone should be distrusting of Clay... I was so upset with Bobby and how he interfered. And, like, I understand his motivation and his Mm -hmm. explanation of it made total sense. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want Jax to be Clay. Mm -hmm. And he knows he can be better. And so he had to interfere again for the good of the club. And it's like, that's fine. But now what you've got is someone who has been cast out of the club and has no rules to live with it mm-hmm. and he's just telling people openly he's gonna pick up the gun business that they're leaving behind yeah yeah and it's like how is that not a risk to you all like how yeah. are they just cool with that well and yes absolutely and i think that like <clears throat> i think that part of it is that they're all just dumb as fucking hammers like Oh, they're so oh, stupid. Juice. Oh, Juicy. <laughs> oh, I love Juice with my whole heart, but he's so Oh, dumb. sweet Juicy boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's so stupid. Oh, and, and it sucks, too, because, like, he's he gets used because he's dumb, right? Like, yeah. they know that they can sort of manipulate him into doing whatever it is they need him to do because he's really dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I think part of it is the part of the problem is that you have a group of men uh who are trying to make decisions and as much as they're like yeah the good of the club the good of the club they're just like part of it does their ego just like won't get out of the way mm-hmm. um and the other fucking part of it i think oh is... okay <laughs> go hard <laughs> megan <laughs> i think the other part of it is that we have this new club president who's the stepson of the old club president who took over after the new president's dad was killed by the... Anyway, Hamlet. Um, but Gemma is the problem. Oh, she's I think, such a huge problem. In, in a lot of this. I think she's a really big part of the problem because the older guys, like Bobby and Chibs and mm-hmm. Tig, have some loyalty to her as well. Mm-hmm. Um... Whereas, like, the younger guys and the newer guys and the prospects and whatever, they don't have the same, that same, like, long-term attachment to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of the issue is you have, like, that sort of older, the originals, and then the younger guys. Yeah. 
And Gemma, because she's Jax's mom, is in the way of that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, like, the amount of times of this season where Jax asked, like, members of the club, like, do you love me? mm -hmm. And it was heartbreaking when Chibs was like, are you fucking shitting me? Like, you are, like, my own son. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Chibs, you're so perfect. (laughs) Chibs is the best. He might be my favorite now. He is. He absolutely is. But... When we last talked, we didn't get a chance to talk about the last episode of season four. No, because I hadn't watched it yet. And there are some moments in that episode, the last two really, that chilled me to the fucking core. And the biggest one was when Tara looked at Gemma and said, do you love me? Oh, yes. And I was just like, oh. Oh my god, like, Tara's got fucking nothing to lose anymore. No. I thought that Tara was going to, like, pull out a knife and just fucking rip Gemma's insides out when she said that. Me too. And, like, she fucking should have. Because Gemma, in season five, was a goddamn mess. Mm Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw her in the opening of season five, I was like, oh girl, you need to shower. You need to take off that fucking eight-day-old mascara you're wearing. Mm -hmm. Like, what is going on with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, what Jax is expecting her to do is a form of sexual abuse. Yes, it is. And that is really hard to swallow. Yes, it's not good. I get, I understand why he's wanting her to do that. It makes sense for, like, all of the, but it it does not sit well. No, and again, another thing that could have been solved if he was just like, hey, table, here's Mm -hmm. the fucking news. (laughs) Here's some news you can use. (laughs) I have personal information. Uh And that thing about needing proof is such horseshit. Uh They killed Donna for way less proof. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I also think, but this is the thing. This is the difference, is that Jax... Jax knows, and he knows deep down that Bobby's right. Oh, for sure. Right, and that's the thing. But you're, like, I think I think this is also the way, the way of the show and the characters, like, asserting that Jax is different than mm-hmm. what came before. And I think that's why the whole question of proof is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally fair. Oh my god, I just had a realization. Okay. Jax Teller is Uhtred Ragnarsson. Ooh! Oh, I'm so proud of myself. They're the same. <laughs> okay. They're the same. They keep talking about everything I do. I'm doing it for the future, for my family, for my legacy. And they consistently do the dumbest shit. Mm -hmm. And then when they do something smart, someone with more power than them says, actually, that is really smart. But because you're challenging my power and my ego, I'm going to destroy it. Mm Mm-hmm. So sums up those two shows right there. It pretty much no no wonder no wonder we like this one. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and also, it, it's funny that you say that too because now that like thinking about it, and then you have like Bobby and Chibs, mm-hmm. 
who are part of like that band of merry men. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, um, in a lot of ways, this is just like another Robin Hood story. To be perfectly honest, like it's the same kind of shit, right? Like, but yes, it's. I really hate Gemma like a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I keep thinking about all the dumb fucking things that she's done. And I find it really frustrating for two reasons. One, there are very few female characters whose names we know and who have speaking roles. Um, And And poor Lila just keeps getting... Oh, Oh, man. Okay, when when that happened and then she's like... And Jax is trying to, like, you know, comfort her. And she's, like, just, like, screaming how she wants opiates. I know. Like, and all she's trying to do is fucking, like make a living for her and her kid and Opie's two kids and it's just like all she keeps getting is just the fucking dick end of every stick so let's talk about Opie for a second sure that was awful it was absolutely awful I saw it coming a mile away yeah oh it was very much you knew it was coming because and he because he wanted out and he wanted out and and this was like his way ultimately yeah um, which is a shitty way, but oh, it was just brutal to watch. Just absolutely brutal to watch. Absolutely brutal. And really, I thought that was probably one of the best acted episodes of the series. Uh-huh. Just having everyone behind the glass and like really seeing the effect of what was about to happen on them and them just being absolutely powerless. Uh-huh. What made me really upset, though, is how Tig turned his back. Yes. He's, like, the most vicious out of everyone. And yet, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on with Tig. Like, there is a lot of stuff happening with Tig. Uh, he did some things. He did something, And, like, the like, how many people have suffered because of what Tig did based on false information that Clay gave him knowingly. hmm Like, all of season five is because of that, really. And I was actually shocked that Jax let Tig live after making that deal with Pope about, like, Mm-hmm. I'll do all this, I'll get you, like, viable, we can work together, we can be partners, but at the end of the day, you owe me this dude that killed my daughter, and I'm gonna expect that payment. I thought well, he was I, actually gonna do it. I thought he was, too. I was, like, kind of terrified, because as you know, in the beginning, I did not like Tig, um, mm-hmm. and now I don't hate him nearly as much. But, like, what I found really interesting is that over this the course of this season... Tig did some pretty awful shit. You bet he did. But then he also, like, somehow seemingly has a bit of a moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, and very clearly likes dogs. Oh, uh, well, that's what he and that other dude had that beef about. Mm-hmm. They shared a dog and something happened to that yeah. dog and then yeah. they had this big falling out. But To the point that, like, Clay wouldn't let, didn't want him as part of the charter. Yeah, because Tig, like, could not... (laughs) Yeah. He could not deal with it. Um, What I find so funny, though, is that with that whole shit going on, I think the turning point for Tig was when he turned in his sergeant-at-arms patch to Clay. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because he didn't believe in that role anymore because he had been so manipulated. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like a huge turning point for me for liking Tig, which is why I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Could only say just wait. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, because when yeah when he turns in the patch, like he's that's his his way of saying like I I can't support what you're doing anymore. Yeah, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to patch out. He just is like, no, I can't. I can't. Essentially, it can't be, be a right hand assassin and bodyguard all the time. Yeah. But also, Chib's such a great choice for that. Mm-hmm. But now a few episodes into season six, Chib's his VP, because Bobby is fucking making a nomad charter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. He's... I think he's upset about dumb things, but whatever. Um, he didn't fucking care that Clay killed people all the time, but whatever. Um... Who is the sergeant at arms now that Chibs is VP? Is he both? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Let's find out. I'll look it up. Because I had to fast forward parts of that episode because you gave me extremely good <laughs> heads up that there was going to be some animal abuse. Yeah, there was, there was some episode. dog fighting. And as I was watching it, I was like, oh, Kelsey won't like this. No. So I had to skip a good like 10 minutes of that episode where that was established. Um, yeah. Let's find out. What would you even Google? <laughs> oh, so there's a website, uh, fandom.com, that just people, it's like a wiki, but people do things. Um, oh, Happy is the Sergeant at Arms right now. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Did you know that Happy... Is, is a real Hells Angel. A real yes, Hells I Angel. He, he's pretty great. I quite like him, actually. He, um, Megan, he's the worst actor on the show. And that no, includes I, Clay Morrow. <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't agree. I think Rob Roman is worse. <laughs> no, but I, no, I just like, I like what he does. And I like it this, at the beginning now um, of all of this. Well, like at the end of five and the beginning of six. I like the role that he has sort of taken on. Yeah, he's less um, of just like a hitman. Yeah, he's he's not just like yeah, he's not just a lunkhead anymore. He's got mm-hmm. like some some I don't know some compassion, I guess that that we can see. Um, so yeah, so okay, Opie died, shit happened. That was terrible. I hated all of that. That was like in episode four, I think, of season five. So it was like early on. It was absolutely heartbreaking. It was. It was awful. And I feel... And then there was a... there. It felt like there was a little bit of... Not a huge time jump, but just enough of one into the next episode. Like, it wasn't... Mm-hmm. We didn't We didn't see them wallowing. Um, which was kind of nice in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because... Because you can't handle man pain. Well, and that would have just been too much. Because yeah. it's just all men. In that show. Like, it would have just been too much. So that was a good... A good, a good narrative choice. Um, but... It just, yeah, all of the stuff, like, with the cartel and the CIA and, like, I don't understand. I love Danny Trejo. I do, but I'm just like, dude, why are you here? It just, ugh, there's just so many things happening. And there's, that's what made me so frustrated is there's so many interested parties. And Jax came up with this fucking brilliant plan about how, like, you actually don't need the MC. And 
We can take out literally the MC middleman and you can deal directly with the people. Uh-huh. An alternate to the IRA who fucking hate you and don't want to be in this arrangement. Like, and then they come to the meet and just try to fucking kill everyone. It's like, well, th- what's that gonna accomplish? Nothing. Now you've taken the IRA away as someone who wants to deal with you, like fucking Jack said. Like, uh-huh. it's so stupid. And Clay is just like, oh, he's gonna take him out of guns. It's like, hey, Clay, you need to shut the fuck up. Because you're gonna get everybody killed. Uh-huh. His meddling in season five was unbelievable. And the way in which he rationalized it all. His meddling in season five was on par with Gemma's meddling in season five. And both of them had just tragic outcomes. Yes, absolutely. Um, So let's talk about Tara. I think that's like a... Okay, sure. uh, Actually, let's talk about Otto. That's what we need to talk about. Oh, no. That fucking storyline, I get it, but I don't get it, and it's aggravating, and uh, Kurt Sutter, who created the show, plays Otto, which explains a lot, I think. Yeah, how he keeps inserting himself into the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember how we said that men die quickly and women suffer? The only (laughs) caveat to that is Otto Delaney. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, Opie suffered. Compared to fucking Com- Lila? No, true. But, I mean, it wasn't It wasn't like he got shot in the head and it was dead. Like, so many of the other men who have died on this show. Or exploded. Yeah. And it, that was painful because also people watched it happen. Right? Yeah. And could, and could do nothing about it. But yes, Otto Delaney. Let's talk about Otto Delaney. Who is Otto Delaney? Why is Otto <laughs> Delaney... <laughs> How? <laughs> Where? Why? What? Who? I don't understand. I mean, so I feel like I get it. He was part of the club. Yeah. So my understanding of it is that he took the fall for something that maybe he didn't quite do or didn't do all of um, to, again, protect the club. And in doing so, he's been really helpful to them because he is an inside line at the prison to people that maybe they couldn't communicate with all the time on the outside. Right. So he can get information and spread information in the prison if if that's what's necessary. But also, he's kind of been a scapegoat. So when messages have needed to be sent Otto has delivered those messages in prison and in doing so has extended and worsened his sentencing so now he's on death row when before Mm -hmm. he was in there for like three years yeah he just yeah 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 so he's suffered over and over and over for the sake of the club and really like sacrificed his wife his health his body, his freedom, all of it. And now his tongue. Oh. That was awful. That was oh. so gross. It was like, it, it wasn't like, it It was just so gross and so ridiculously over the top. Yeah. That I was like, could someone just shoot this motherfucker in the head, please? Yeah. And like just be how... done with it. And he continues to suffer in prison. Yes. Like, 
with this fucking Toric dude. How can you be a retired U.S. Marshal <laughs> and yes. operate as if you are still a U.S. Marshal? You are still a U.S. Marshal. I would like to say draw that... up agreements for deals between prisoners. Get access to them twenty four seven. Do you know who he reminds me of? Who? Our favorite literary hero, Jack Reacher, in that respect. Uh, hmm. Where, I mean, everything else is not the same, but Jack Reacher is a former MP, uh, and uses You're right. That he could just show up and beat somebody to death. But, but I would believe that with Jack Reacher. Not so yeah. much. Right? Like, that's the difference. Because um, this guy doesn't really actually do any of the things he pulls no. strings he's a little puppet master yes but he still also has contacts which which yeah. i think is important right but no that was my first thought i was like oh this is what jack Reacher would look like in this show interesting that was like very much how my how my brain went but i also don't think that yes and no like jack reacher has a very sort of rules-oriented idea of what justice is. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't do what that dude's doing. No, that's absolutely fair. Um, Like, I think even Jack Reacher would know it's not Tara's fault that Otto killed his sister. No. Do you know what's really interesting, though? At first, when he first showed up, I did not believe that he was the brother. I was like, this seems too convenient to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently he is, so here we are. <laughs> well, and it's just, it's so frustrating, because even Lo and their lawyer is just like, oh, he's a dude just, like, flexing. And it's like, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. And you need to do your job taking care of Tara, because him saying he can put her into WITSEC, like, that's not somebody just flexing. No. No, um, but yeah, so that whole business with Otto, so the, yes, the, <laughs> the spoilery piece here, I guess, is that Tara has been working-ish at the prison in the infirmary where Otto is, um, and she's been trying to get him to not do a thing, I guess? I don't, ugh, anyway. To recant his... Flip bands yes. and say that like that was false. He was, you know, yeah. He can say anything. He was for the for the good of the Coerced to say, ultimately. yeah. And essentially, if they don't have him as their major witness and snitch, then the case falls apart against the MC. Yes, and so okay, so that's what she's trying to get Otto to do, and yes. he has been in jail for quite some time. Um, his wife. Yeah, so he's got some issues. And he um, has literally nothing left to lose anymore. No, so he he's basically going to sell his soul to the highest bidder at this point. Yeah. Um, but apparently and, not. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, no kidding. So, when he asks Tara to bring this crucifix in, mm-hmm. I was like weird but also like 
don't. I, like, yes, fucking so, duh, Tara. Yeah, obviously, yes. That was a stupid thing on her part. But I was like, this is an odd request. Mm-hmm. Was my thought. And I was like, what is he going to do with that thing? And then he kills the nurse with it. And I was like, oh, interesting. So in doing so, he's destroyed his chance of being used as a witness. Yes. Because he's no longer credible. Because mm-hmm. he's committed another crime. And, and that's fine that he loses his credibility, but then, like, two episodes later, he bites off his own tongue. Yeah. And that's Which, like, what I ugh. think is frustrating, because how does Torek not know that this guy's not going to be worth anything? Yeah. Like, you can't... You can't flip auto on the club. That's what I don't understand. Torek's motivation is not to avenge the death of his sister. Uh-huh. And I don't quite know why. <laughs> uh-huh. Because he's made Otto suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. And, like, uh-huh. I think I think it's good, dog. Yeah. Like, like Otto's gonna die. He's gonna he's, die. He's on death row. What else yeah, do you want? Yeah, he's gonna, or he's gonna be killed in prison, either or. Yeah. So just let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the whole thing was very, very weird. And the fact that it is Kurt Sutter playing Otto is such a strange thing. Yeah, it makes the start of season six so very bleak. <laughs> oh, so the start of season six is awful. Because what happens at the end of five, then, is Tara is arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and taken For conspiracy for to conspiracy kill this to mur- murder. Which, which she yeah. wasn't part of the conspiracy at all. No. As we know. Um, but my question is, and I feel like this is an important thing, who ratted her out? Well, I think it was Torek. Because it wasn't Gemma. Because no, Gemma's which, not that stupid. Which is and it's was not kind Wendy. of surprising that it wasn't Gemma. Because of all yeah. of the shit that Gemma did earlier in the season, I was actually a little shocked that it wasn't her. Yeah, me too. I think because she, she knew that if it was her that ratted her out, it would really fracture the tenuous, at best, relationship she has with Jax right now. Yes, it, tenuous at best is the only way to describe it, yes. Mm-hmm. So, Tara's in jail, and... It's very... Things aren't looking good, ultimately. Mm-mm. Um, and, like, that lawyer, I don't know how much they they have to pay her on retainer. Like, she's just available at all times for them. <laughs> she's fucking always working. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, Tara... Yeah, Tara's in jail, and it's really sad because they're kind of talking again about, like, getting away and getting out, and, you know, she's accepted this job in Oregon, and... <laughs> and not told anybody. No, and fucking Gemma gets in the way of that too, and reads the card on the the flowers that Tara gets and real. Oh God, fucking it's like, Gemma. Gemma, Gemma, Gemma. You need to listen to me right now. <laughs> Your grandkids moving to a different state that is not very far from where you already are because they do fucking rides up there all the time is not a death sentence for you. You work as the fucking receptionist 
at this auto thing. Mm-hmm. You can go see your grandkids at any time. Chucky and his French will cover for you. <laughs> like, what? I don't understand I why she thinks that that would be losing them. Because if she lets them go, then they're not right there. Yeah, but like, fucking neither are you, Gemma. I'm sorry, getting stoned and driving them off a fucking <sighs> cliff. Yeah. Um, but I th- that's what I think her problem is, is that she is... She needs to be in control of everything all the time. And so everything that she does in the moment is to her a way of being in control. But it also generally contradicts the things she just did. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, so that's that's the real issue is that she does the thing. And right now in the moment it makes sense, but when you couple that with the decision she made before, you're like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? And then when you add to that the the decision that was two before this one, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, someone's going to die. Like, there's no... The amount of times that she, like, went to Wendy and was like, I know how you, how to get you to have contact with Abel. You just need to do this one thing. And then Wendy goes and does that one thing. And of course it fucking blows back because Gemma's an idiot. Uh-huh. And then Gemma's like, if you ever see my grandkids, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'm like, okay. Okay, bipolar Nancy. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Literally four hours ago, you said the complete 180 of what you're saying now. Uh-huh. No wonder Jack Swan's fucking out. Well, and, and it's interesting, too, because either you notice from, like, the beginning of the first couple seasons until now, he calls her Gemma mm-hmm. when he Not talks mom. about her and to her face. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first couple seasons, he called her mom. Mm-hmm. Or my mom, or what, or my mother, or whatever. He didn't, he didn't really use her first name. And so, like, that's a really um, noticeable fracture in that relationship. Yeah, but, like, deservedly so. Like oh, absolutely. She's, she's fucking made her bed, and now these are the consequences of it. Honestly, the fact that they haven't tried to have her killed yet is surprising to me. Because, like, she, the, the shit that she has pulled, and yeah. the way that, like, she pretends that she's this puppet master, but, like, she's not. Mm-mm. Um... Because some something's gonna happen, and I don't know, but I I have no idea how any of this ends, and so so anyone who's watched this is probably laughing at us right now. But like, she's gonna do something that she cannot undo. Oh, I I think I know what it is. I think they've been like seeding it since day one. I think she's gonna kill Tara. That's the I only think, way that she I can think keep so the too. grandkids. That well, she's gonna yeah because. Because, like we talked about last time, Tara's a fucking doctor, and she's got, like, weird nerve damage in her hands, and this other hospital's like, yeah, it's fine, we want you anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, she could very easily just go somewhere else and not be part mm-hmm. of this disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't, because she loves Jax, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, that somehow isn't enough for Gemma. No. That this woman, who could literally be anywhere else do- practicing medicine, mm-hmm. has chosen to stay in this, like, town of 10,000 people and just, like, hang out with a bunch of bikers. 
Yeah. Oh, and like, it, Tara should have way more money than they do. Oh <laughs> like, my god, yeah. As I've said before, <laughs> she's a neonatal cardiac surgeon. She should have way more money. Yeah. I have no idea what their issue is. Yes. Um, yes, that's that's a good point. Um, but, like, for whatever reason, that commitment, like, she's back in Charming and, you know, they're back together and they were high school sweethearts and all that stuff, that's somehow not enough for Gemma. Yeah. Oh, it's absurd. Like, which I don't really get. And so, like, I was thinking about it actually while I was watching maybe, like, episode 9 or 10, I don't know. It, there's, like, there's, there's like, the, the threads of, like, Oedipus in this as well. Absolutely. Um, and, like, yeah, I just, there's so many, there's so many really interesting storytelling choices in this show, uh, and so many interesting, like, narrative decisions that I'm just sort of like, wow, this feels like, this feels like a dude telling a story to his buddies so that like it just gets bigger and more absurd and then and, and then the longer the story goes on because mm-hmm. season one and two were pretty tight narratively yeah and then the belfast oh, you mean season it's was... like fucking fast and furious where the first movie was about combination dvd cd flares <laughs> or vhs, VHS players? yes uh-huh and is now that, is that like, what you're referencing basically going into space yeah they're um, fucking gods. Yeah, they're superheroes now. Um, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, I and I find that because the focus of the show is on all of these men, mm-hmm. that the female characters, like Gemma's not three dimensional at all. No, absolutely not. Tara's more three dimensional. Because she oh, has a, for sure. Because she has a job outside of the club. And she's also undergone significant change between season four and five. Mm-hmm. Like, season five, she's, she's in it. She's an active participant in club business. She knows mm-hmm. about the Rico. Her and Bobby and Jax are the only ones at the start of the season that know. Yeah. And then she's plotting to get... Uh, auto to reverse his statement like she's an active participant whereas Gemma thinks she is yes. but is only on the outside yes and Gemma's as much on the outside as Clay's on the outside mm-hmm. and I think that that's part of the thing that they are both that both Clay and uh, Gemma are struggling with is that they are not as important as they as think, they, think they, are. they are. Yes. They're not as important as they used to be, but they're also not as important as they think they are. Um, and I think that that's part of the thing that they're both struggling with. And, like, that whole... Mm-hmm. It's just so... Like, I get it, and I understand. So, like, Gemma's, like, got this new... Whatever, with this new relationship with Nero, and, like, I love Jimmy Smith, so whatever. But I'm also just like, oh, dude, just run your escort service and just stay the fuck away from these toxic people. It's going to ruin mm-hmm. your life. Oh, and it already has. Like... Yes. A- season five he was like i'm straight i'm i like got out of all the the gangster business and i Mm -hmm. don't do that anymore and then like fucking (laughs) mc just pulls him right back in it's brutal Uh i know it's uh it's just a thing i don't oh i don't even know man i don't even know um 
the early part of season six after Tara was arrested. Uh, and that's what I said w- with Happy. Like, I like that role that he's taken on where, like, you know. He's kind of dad. Yeah, and that was that's something that I found, I found kind of interesting is that, like, we don't see the kids a lot. No. But, like, the kids are everybody's kids. Mm-hmm. And it's very, like, sister wivesy in that way. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, you know what I mean? Where, like, they're, like they're, they're, everybody has, like, a biological... They've got biological parents and stuff. But, like, everybody takes responsibility for them. I think it's more like Zazu <laughs> taking care of... <laughs> <laughs> young cubs <laughs> but but it but it has that element where, where where it's just like you have people who look after the other club members because they're just yeah. part of the club yeah and, and there's like, no question about it yeah because they don't have anybody else right like yes there's nobody when tara is talking about like who's going to be the guardian of the kids she's like uh <laughs> we see the same seven people every day our whole lives like i don't know obviously the only correct answer is chibs i know he's like he is he's I, I really like tommy flanagan as an actor and every time he shows up in something i'm always just like yes because he's great he's a really good character actor he absolutely is he's but fucking I... crushing it this season he absolutely is crushing it. He's so, so, so good in this. Um, and I feel like every time we see something from him, where, like, even in season five where Tara has, where, like, Tara has to try and stitch up Tig's ass because of that. <laughs> Just, like, fucking nuts. But anyway, and she couldn't do it. And Chibs is like, just talk me through it and I'll do it. Yeah. And he, like, he didn't, he didn't ask her if she was okay. He just was like, you need help and I'm going to help you. Because it was rather than making her talk about it or whatever, he was like, no, we need to get this done. So, like, talk me through it. I'll do it for you. Um, and he's very, very astute in that respect. Absolutely. Um, but he's also, like, they've stopped dyeing his hair, too. So he's getting super gray. Yeah. Season five and six. And it's just like, they're, he's also getting too old for this shit. He well, and he's wearing his glasses more all the yeah. time. Like there's yeah, there's a whole bunch of things going on with him. Um, but I just think that like his, he's he's got this sort of temperament that as much as like sure he's killed people and whatever all of the bad things that they've done, he also is able to recognize in other people when they need some support. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sort of like the surrogate for everybody. Mm-hmm. In a way, he's, he's more hes more of a mother to them yes. than Gemma is. <laughs> I was just about to say, he's the Gemma that Gemma wishes she was. Yeah. yeah. Like, fucking Jax's confidant, protector, mm-hmm. lover, question mark. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, when, like, Tig's gone through some shit and Chibs has been there for him. And, and... Yeah. And Chibs is, like, Juice's surrogate father, which is the most adorable thing. I know. And fuck Clay trying to be Juice's father. Clay will fucking betray Juice on the flip of a fucking coin. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Like, is Clay short for Claudius? Because of course he will. Like, we already know this. He's the worst. He and sucks why so much. Juice is just so sympathetic to him is beyond me. I think Juice is sympathetic to him because Juice has nobody else. Like, he know, like he's... But he, he knows. Does. He I has know. Chibs. But <clears throat> Chibs wasn't the boss, right? And yeah. that's that's where that loyalty comes into play. Whereas, like... I also think Juice is still afraid that yeah. he's gonna that something's gonna happen to him, right? And so that's why he does the thing that he does. Yeah. Ugh, poor Juicy. I know, poor boy. He just he just needs a hug so bad. He does. Him and his fucking leather serial killer gloves he wears everywhere. <laughs> I know, I know. Whatever, um, weirdo. Can we talk about them framing Clay for murder but not thinking about how Clay would never leave a gun so close to the scene of the crime. Yeah. That was... Oh, that was that was probably the worst thought out part of the plan. For sure. That was really, really dumb. It's um yeah. Also the beginning of season six with like these Persians who are making this torture porn, which sounds like such a like there's a phrase I never thought I would say ever in my life, so check yeah. that one off. Uh-huh. Um Tig just lost his fucking mind. He did. He's like, he's really got no trigger control anymore. Like, he's just no fly off the fucking handle. But what I did appreciate about that one scene was when they go to the obviously, like, the big bad who's replaced Damon Pope is like Stockton, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Not, like, literally placed him, but just, like, as an antagonist. He's like, um, well, racist. They're not Persians. They're Iranians. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Persia hasn't existed since. <laughs> since, like, 600 BC. Get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. Like, as if, like, yeah, we're all criminals and gangsters, but, like, fucking appropriate language please yeah. also what i thought was so that bit where uh what's her face the other girl who we don't like i'm a right and i mean i get why she's they the her. worst she's the she does suck worst. she did but she did not deserve to have her face smashed on the bar yeah i i think in, she totally does in that particular context, she didn't. Like, she's been beaten up enough already for all the shit that she's done. She actually tried to do something good this time. <laughs> and, like, and she still got the shit beat out of her. And I was like, oh boy. Like, how her face hasn't been totally mangled, I'm not entirely sure. Because her nose has been broken at least 17 times. Like, Well, yeah, sure. But then you have fucking Lila who has literally been tortured and oh what's that shot in the leg Uh that was really upsetting it was it was um yeah so it's good it's a good show thanks for getting me to uh to watch it um like we've been talking a lot of shit for the last hour and 10 minutes but the show's fucking good and you can't stop watching it so here we are (laughs) Um, it's so dumb. I hate it so much. No, I, but you know, it's interesting though, because I know it's over, so I'm less frustrated with it than I think I would be if it was still going on. Yeah. And from what, like, I've heard, just like the, the vibe I get, like people are generally satisfied with the conclusion of the show. Yes. 
So I feel like as much frustration and like how dumb the characters are, mm-hmm. I'm at peace with it, and I just like want to see how it all shakes out. And this is the first season where I've gotten like actually emotionally invested. Like instead I, of just I, yes, instead of just like going through it and you know yeah, and just being like, what shit are they gonna pull today? Like when Obi died, I was really upset. Yeah, I did and not like enjoy at that. the wake, it was really hard. I had to take a break after that episode. Yeah. Uh, and then I went back and watched more X-Files. We my... all have our <laughs> our chasers. <laughs> well, I, I'm i enjoying watching the X-Files again for lots of reasons, but it's really cool, like, having watched, having watched the show as many times as I have, knowing, mm-hmm. like, where things are going and what little threads are being sort of woven in seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. that come to fruition in, like, eight. Um, and I find the same kind of thing is happening in Sons of Anarchy, too. Like, you can kind of see there's some... I would, like, now that I, once I get through it, I will, will watch it again, and I would like to, you know, knowing what comes at the end, to sort of see where some of those storylines that started off in particular ways, how they ended up, and, like, where those threads go. Yeah, especially, like, all the clay shit. Now yes. we know what we know about him, like, going back and seeing, like, how guarded he is. Like, even though Jax is his VP, like, there's some definite power dynamics happening there. Yeah, there's way less trust between Clay and mm-hmm. Jax than there mm-hmm. is between Jax and Chips, or Jax mm-hmm. and Bobby. Mm-hmm. Way less. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, I don't know, Sons of Anarchy's good. Uh, in season six, so there's season six and season seven, and then we'll be done. So and we'll talk just... about it again at the end of season six. Is what we'll do. Yeah, that yeah, sounds okay. great. Okay, and, and then uh, and then all... we'll see if we'll see if we're right about some of our predictions. Yeah, all this makes me want to do is go back and watch the Lost <laughs> Last Kingdom again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that can be a thing that we do after we're done Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah. Last Kingdom's great. Uh, I got a text from Jess the other day. She's like, hey, remember Outlaw King? And I was like, boy, do I. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for ages. I use the opening sequence when I do film study. Yeah, that's smart. We talk about camera movements and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like that eight-minute eight single cut or whatever, um, which is super cool. And now that I have seen 1917, uh, I will also use that to talk about film. Mm-hmm. Because it's a gorgeous just, movie. It's a gorgeous movie, but just for the same reasons, because you have all these big long cuts, uh, and you can you can take a scene and you can like you can really break things down and talk about how cameras function and how it takes you into puts you as an audience member into it or takes you out of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just funny. I was like, oh yeah, Outlaw King. I should watch that again. Um, the whole story of my life. Oh yeah, I should watch new things and read new things. I'm like, nope, things that are comfortable. Let's do that. Exactly. <laughs> so, remember last week how we had the Brad Pitt paradox? <laughs> do I remember the Brad Pitt paradox? Yes. I've I got maybe a a way to make some choices. Okay. So fuck Mary Kill, but instead. It's get them randomly assigned as your lab partner for a whole semester. Uh-huh. Get trapped with them on a broken elevator for uh-huh. ten whole hours. Uh-huh. 
or they're your employee trainer at McDonald's. Okay. Does that make it easier or harder? <laughs> Are we talking about like Thumb and Louise, Rusty, and Cliff? The like... exact same triumvirate. <laughs> okay. That's the second time you've used the word triumvirate today. We're going to be uh, using that in our episode title somewhere. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, okay, so I say the, the three options again lab partner for a whole semester. Yep. Trapped with them on an elevator for 10 hours. Yep. They're your trainer at your new job at McDonald's. Uh, elevator, Thelma and Louise. Because it's only 10 hours, and then you're done with him. Okay. Um, I think Rusty would be the lab partner. Mm-hmm. And I think Cliff would be the employee trainer. Because you can quit? <laughs> Yes, but no, I also think, it depends on, depending on what the, yeah, it depends on, like, how much he likes his job, I suppose, um, but he strikes me as the kind of person who, like, would have been meticulous about things, okay. so it would not be a terrible employee trainer, and I think Rusty's smart enough as the lab partner. I see. So, Thelma Louise, most disposable, he's the kill. Yes. Okay. And then... Oh, man, I guess... Interesting. See, I was going to choose Rusty in the elevator. Okay. Because I think you could, like, have a conversation with him where you don't want to kill yourself at the end of it. Mm Mm-hmm. For ten hours. Or, like, I feel like in a pinch, he's a guy I could just be like, you got it, dude. (laughs) Like, you, (laughs) you take charge of this situation. Okay. Whereas for a lab partner, I think you'd want Cliff because he's not an absolute fucko. Okay. And is somewhat reliable and, like, has a way of knowledge of the world, whatever. And I think Thelma Louise is the most likely your manager at McDonald's. I mean, yeah, as a person, he's never going to be anything more than a manager at McDonald's. <laughs> that is very accurate. <laughs> Although his body is way too good to just be a manager at McDonald's. But the problem with that is that you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't listen to him. Like, he'd be, he'd be a terrible... Yeah, because I'd be looking at him. True. But he'd be a terrible employee trainer. Because he'd also be bad at his job. Sure, but then that's not your fault and you can quit. I like, that so. one, I think, is the easiest out if shit but goes it's bad. it's the easiest out, but I also feel like the 10 hours in the elevator, it's a finite amount of time. Where... But you don't have to last 10 hours at a job, Megan. <laughs> where you have to be around that. You know? I'm sticking with mine, then. Interesting. 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 Do you have questions first? Well, I I was just thinking about your rationale that, like, you can always quit the job. I kind of think that that makes it sound like the job one is the one you want to... is the one that you want to kill. Oh, yeah, potentially. Rather than the elevator. Mm Mm-hmm. So, married to the lab partner, fuck the elevator, kill the manager. Yes. So, in that case, I'm going to change my answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not how it works. Because we're always going to... We were always going to kill what's-his-nuts. Like, he's just... You can't... The Thelma... You gotta kill him. He's just... 
Yeah, you gotta kill the cowboy. Always gotta kill the cowboy. <laughs> okay, well, that's the episode title. <laughs> no, it's gonna be the one with the two triumvirates because you said it twice. <laughs> well, now I have to find a way to say it three times so that it's a triple triumvirate. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um... Stupid podcast. <laughs> anyway, okay, I have lots of questions. Uh, the same question, from the same person who asked us about Brad Pitt, um, if you were dudes, what kind of dudes would you be? It's a great question. Um, well, I need some examples of types of, like, the same but a dude? Like, I don't know. (laughs) What types of dudes are there? I need labels for these dudes so I well, can I apply myself. You don't know. Just like, what kind of dude would you be? Would you be just like, would you be, you wouldn't be a bro because you're not that kind of person. Um. I think I would have, this is going to sound strange, but I think I would be that bro who has a ton of female friends. Okay. Or Explain. not bro, just dude that has a ton of female friends. Okay. Because... As, like all the women in my life and zero of the men, I'm willing to put in the emotional work every day to check in on people and chat and remind them of that they're awesome and that I love them and they're cool people who are special to me. Okay. And just doing that emotional heavy lifting. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't, oh, I don't know. This is a hard, that, that, it was funny because when I got the question earlier today, I was like, oh, I maybe have an answer, but I don't know if I do anymore. Um. I know what yours is. Okay, what? You're the internet crusader. (laughs) Okay. I guess, yeah. You're out there fucking challenging people on their biases and taking them down. Do you know what would be a super nice thing if I was a dude and could do that? If I could just mansplain my way through everything. And just be like, I'm right because. And and just just... have people listen and then move on. Yes. That would be amazing. That would be an incredible thing. Um, But yeah, no, that's, I think that's fair. I would not be the reply guy. (laughs) <laughs> because the reply guys are the worst people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, fuck off. Nobody, no one cares. Um, yeah. Uh, I, but I will put a sort of a an asterisk on all of this. Don't want to be a dude. No. <laughs> it's really fucking exhausting being a woman. Like, let's not pretend that it's not terrible pretty much all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to be a dude. No, me neither. Because at least, like, we have the ability, because we're not, we can look at things like the to- the toxic masculinity that exists in this world and, like, all of the things and, like, the rampant misogyny. <laughs> and we're like, oh, that just fucking blows. Let's see what we can do about it. Rather yeah. than just being complicit. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. It, because it earns us, like, you know, cachet with our friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's much, like, harder to be on the inside of the patriarchy trying to dismantle it than uh-huh. just pushing back against it on it within your own choices. Like, that's yes. Where we can, not we, something I would want to contend with. No. We, and, I mean, it's not like we're not part of it because we definitely are part of the structure. 
Um, yes. That's how the world works. But we do have the ability to, like you say, push back from the outside. Mm-hmm. And try and, like, just knock it fucking down. That being said, it would be nice if <laughs> dudes in general, not all men, I'm gonna put the hashtag on that wow. so people, so, like, for the four that listen, don't get mad at us. Um, it would be nice, though, sometimes, if if you guys would just listen to us. And when we say, like, hey, that's a shitty thing that you said... And I don't really want to have to explain why it was a shitty thing that you said. It was just a mm-hmm. shitty thing that you said. Just listen to us and believe us, please and thanks. Or the, I'm sorry that you are offended. <sighs> Did you hear? Maybe not, because you're not really on the Twitters. Uh, Mike Milbury said a really dumb thing. Oh, about Tuka Rask? Uh, no, dumber. What? Yeah, he had he had some real hot takes. Hang on, I gotta find it. Um, oh, no. Because I had to leave the room after he had, he said that shit about Tuka Rask. I got so mad. So Mike Milbury is no longer on the NBC uh, broadcasts. Excellent. Because he, of that? Because of the thing that he said. What he said was, I, I, I don't know if I have an actual quote. Um, he basically said that the Capitals, the Capitals lost their series to the Islanders. I think they were, I think it was a 4-1 uh, series win by the Islanders, and Mike Milbury said made some comment about how, yeah, they don't even have any women in the bubble to distract them. And so that was an excuse that they should have done better? Yes. Yeah. <sighs> uh, anyway, so he... <laughs> anyway, fuck. Fucking Mike Milbury. God, I hate everything. Um... He issued a, a statement of, or an apology or some kind of something or another, which was a non-apology, mm-hmm. as they always are. Uh, the NHL was like, yeah, we heard what he said, and we didn't like it. And NBC was like, yeah, we heard what he said, and we didn't like it. And Mike Milbury's like, well, maybe I said a thing that maybe you didn't like it, but I didn't mean for you not to like it. I was just trying to be funny. How um, is that funny? That's not funny. Anyway, yes. So, Mike Milbury. So, yesterday... I said something. I said a bunch of things yesterday. Um, I was like, here's the thing. Milbury's comment wasn't the worst thing I've ever heard. And you might think, hey, that's not so bad. But if you add that comment and all of his other shit about women's sports to the entire body of stuff that women hear or see or deal with on a regular basis, it sucks. Mm-hmm. And while maybe it wasn't meant to offend anyone, it did. Maybe you weren't offended by it, but you don't get to tell other people not to be. That's not how mm-hmm. this works. Um, so anyway... Speaking of non-apologies, yeah, Mike Milbury got uh, probably fired from NBC for, finally, for saying dumb things. Uh, And, like, when you go to his Wikipedia page and it says the shoe incident, I feel like that tells you every fucking thing you need to know about about Mike Milbury as a person. Um, (sighs) Yep. Anyway, so non-apologies. But, like, and this is kind of the thing, right? I just wish sometimes that dudes would just shut up and listen. Just, just like, once in a while. And if we say, like, just like. Shut up. <laughs> like, I'll say this to you, like I said to my 5 and 12 year old niece, like, not every silence needs to be filled, my dude. Like, not every thought that comes into your head is necessary to be broadcast to the world. Um, yeah, so anyway, that, that was that. Uh, yeah, I got a bunch of questions, I'm just gonna pull them up, um, because I remembered to ask people for them. Um... Finally. 
Okay. So, our first question uh, from Amanda was, why didn't you give me more time to think of something witty? Well, because. Uh, second question, what do you think of people who carry their dogs around in monogrammed bags? And she attached to it a picture of herself carrying her dog in a monogrammed bag. So, yeah, she was telling me about this today. Honestly, like, you do you, man. I am beyond... <laughs> if you're wearing a mask in a public place where you're supposed to, you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want in my book. I think people should only carry their dogs in monogram bags if their dogs weigh over 50 pounds. I feel like that would be <laughs> way more fun for the rest of us to watch. Um, I think that would be oh my God. hilarious. That's can you imagine... That's physically impossible for me to do. <laughs> but can you imagine seeing someone carry, like, a fucking golden retriever? Well, they <laughs> do a... that in New York. The rule is, is that they can be on the subway if they if fit they in fit... a bag. Yeah, so you put them in, like, a big Ikea bag and problem solved, yes. But I just feel like it would be fun if we normalized people carrying their dogs in bags, but only if they were big dogs. Thank you, Megan. Normalize people carrying big dogs in bags. Finally, someone said it. I feel like the most fun would be a Great Dane because you would have it would have to be someone like The Rock carrying it. So it would be great <laughs> to watch anyway. But can you imagine a bag large enough to hold a Great Dane or like a it'd Newfoundland? Have to be like n- no. It's like a fucking suitcase on wheels. Like, what are you even talking about? It would be, it would be an incredible thing to watch, and I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> so let's make it happen. Uh, okay. So end of the dogs and bags discussion. Um, well, okay. <laughs> oh, there's a tweet that included a word that we muted. Question from Mike. Hi, it's Mike. First time, long time. This is less a question and more of a suggestion, and I'll hang up and listen. Abolish the Oilers. <laughs> I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> um, I mean, sure. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Just contract the league back down to 24 teams. That'd be the, That's the first step. Or like 16. Well, 24 would be okay. But then everybody gets to go in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, wait. It's like, it's almost like none of this matters. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was the wording of the question just made me laugh. Uh, also, <laughs> it made me to. laugh because it didn't show up in our mentions because it contains a word that we have muted. Oh, my God. Oilers? <laughs> you muted Oilers? Oh, my God. Oh, I was a long, it was a long time ago. We agreed that we were going to do it. So I was like, yeah, okay. And so I did. Uh, That's fucking hysterical. And I sent him a message, and I was like, the funny thing is I saw it on, like, my regular account, not on the the pod account, because it contained a word that we had muted. <laughs> anyway. This fucking sports podcast. <laughs> um, next question from Mike. The White Stripes. Great band or greatest band? Um, mediocre. I don't really have an opinion on them. Button to button fucking slaps. But I don't have, like, a broad enough yeah. knowledge base. Not I'm not educated one. enough to provide an opinion. Another thing men should learn. <laughs> yeah, Take like that I've, phrase. Write it down. What I've heard of the White Stripes, they're fine. I haven't heard lots of their stuff, so I guess they're fine. Sorry. Sure. Okay. 
Um, fuck, Mary, kill, pancakes, waffles, crepes. Oh, kill crepes. Goodbye. Okay. You fuck pancakes and you marry waffles. This is the easiest question of all the time. Like, what are you even doing? <laughs> Why do you hate crepes so much? What did they ever do to you? They're such a waste of a berries and whipped cream delivery service. They have the texture of skin. It's terrible. Get it out of here. <laughs> okay, so I agree in that sort of respect. When I was living in Dublin, um, there was a crepe place called Lemon that was not far from my apartment. And you could get all kinds of like sweet crepes, savory crepes, whatever. Uh, and they were, they did not have that texture, which was really nice. Um, because they actually cooked them on like a, on a, on a crepe griddle. Mm-hmm. And so they were like super, super thin, but they were like, but the ins like each, each side was like just a little bit crispy, mm-hmm. which was kind of nice. So they didn't have that same texture uh, and you could get them like with any kind of filling that you wanted. And so if you wanted the savory ones with like, you could get like a pizza crepe with like tomato sauce and pepperoni and cheese and whatever. You'd get anything. And they were delicious. They were always delicious. Um, and they made for like a good, they made for a good lunch or like snack that you could walk with and eat. Whereas like crepe or pancakes, not so much, which was the thing that I liked about those crepes. See, I think that breakfast shouldn't be something you do on the go. Um, but I would also, I also can honestly say that since I've been in Dublin, I have not yet, have not had another crepe that I liked. So. Okay, well. Probably kill the crepes. Um, I like waffle. I like pancakes a lot too. I like waffles. I don't know. That's hard. I'm not sure. Can you just be in a relationship with both of them? (laughs) Okay. You can't change the fucking rules. It's either double murder or triple murder, or you follow the rules, (laughs) Megan. (laughs) I was going to say, we change the rules all the time. What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, I think you fuck waffles and marry pancakes. All right. Yeah. Agree to disagree. Do you know why? Because if you have leftover pancakes, uh, which sometimes happens when you make pancakes for one person, uh, they're really good to put peanut butter and jam on as a snack later. Better than waffles are. All right. Um, Favorite biographies? That's an interesting question. I don't read a lot of biographies. I read lots of memoirs, though. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've read some good ones. About, um, oh fuck, they're on my goddamn shelf upstairs. I can't remember who the author is, but about Nicholas II and Alexander II, two of the yeah. last stars of Russia. Yeah. Those were pretty good. I read Warlord about Churchill. That one was okay. Yeah, I don't read a ton of memoirs or biographies. If, yeah, if I'm going to read something like that, I'm definitely going to read a memoir before I read a biography. I did read mm-hmm. the biography of Hamilton, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, it was very dense. The Chernow one. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting about it, having seen the show and, like, whatever... I mean, obviously, there's lots of things in the show that are not historically accurate and whatever mm-hmm. that is what it is. But um, Lynn sure packed a lot of Hamilton's, like, early life into about... 12 minutes of stage time (laughs) um it's kind of incredible actually um I thought that was good but one of my favorite um memoirs that I've read is Anthony Kiedis's uh memoir called Scar Tissue loved it so good I finished reading it in the airport in Seattle 
And I was like weeping while I was waiting for my plane. So it, oh my it, god! Yeah, it was really really good. Um, yeah. Other than that, I can't remember the last like biography that I read. Um, any kind of like book length biography. I just reread Educated by Tara Westover, um, because mm-hmm. I have to do a review of a memoir for this course that I'm taking, um, which I have been putting off and putting off and putting off. I just really need to just write it. But anyway, um, it was really good too. I don't know if you've read it, but it was really really phenomenal. No. Is that um, the one where the cover is just a desk in the middle of a field? Yeah. Okay. I've so seen she, it. I haven't Yeah. Read it. So she's, uh, she grew up in Idaho. Uh, she's about, she's somewhere in between my age and your age. So she's like, I don't know, probably 34-ish now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she grew up in a Mormon family and they were fundamentalist Mormons. And her, over time, her father became, like, more skeptical of government and whatever, whatever, and is ultimately, like, a doomsday prepper. Um, and so one of the things that, like, they didn't have is the kids didn't have birth certificates and they didn't go to school and all this kind of stuff. And she now has a PhD from Oxford. Um, because she ended up going to college and whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but a lot of what she talks about in this is the, sort of the fractures within her family and uh, with all of her siblings. And she's had to change the name of some of her siblings, but not others. Oh, I see. Um, to talk about them in the memoir, uh, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, it was really, really well done. Uh, it's not a, it's not a hard read at all. Uh, I read it in about four hours. Like it was not difficult, but it was really, really compelling and I couldn't put it down. Interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, what else do we have here? Nope, I'm gonna leave that one alone. Um, if you had a girlfriend who told you that you were just like Ben from Parks and Rec, would you be flattered? Does that mean that I'm gonna bankrupt my city? <laughs> Honestly, like I think. It means out of everything, you're gonna love the shit out of the people that you love and they're gonna know it, and I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that's probably good. Um, it also means that you might have a full Batman costume in your house, and maybe also an Iron Throne, so if that's what you're after, go for it. Like, fucking treat yourself. I ain't gonna judge what that is for you. It's true. Go hard. Um... Kate, another question here from Andrew. Best therapeutic outlets for yet another deflating (laughs) off-season? That's assuming that we care about the sports. Um, I just been... We've been fucking talking about Sons of Anarchy for seven hours, dude. What are you even thinking about? Um, Yeah, watching TV, reading books. Going for walks. Going out in the sunshine. Having naps in the sunshine. That's always fun. Uh, I'm gonna go enjoy the sun now, bro. It's going in about two weeks. <laughs> I'm gonna go play with a toddler here in a little bit of time. Is he a toddler? He's four. Is he still a toddler? I yeah, I think that's toddler. So yeah, so well, I'm gonna go play with the toddler here in like an hour. So that's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, the sun's gonna be gone real soon. So just like go out and enjoy the weather, uh, and then stock up on fun things to do like puzzles and video games for when we are all locked down in our homes again by Thanksgiving um, <laughs> or before. Yeah, it's awesome. And last question uh, from Mike. Saved it till the end, so here we go. Shit, I need to pee so badly. Do not make me pee my pants on this podcast, Megan. (laughs) Because of COVID, players probably won't be allowed to kiss the Stanley Cup. Does this mean that the Stars are this year's Team of Destiny? (laughs) 
you motherfucker. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks, Mike. We missed you. Um, you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jimmy Ben is going to be the one that receives the cup from Gary Batman if they win, so I guess we'll He's see He's not going to put his mouth on it. That's all we sure. know. Sure. <laughs> sure he won't. Okay, um, that's all we have for this week. Um and uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can email us if you want. It's nice when people email us and it's not just be like, you have a security alert from your linked account. I'm like, yes, I know. I signed in on that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no dick pic, please. No, Come please on. no. If you do send us one, we will absolutely post it on the internet. Oh yeah, I'll dox you for sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't know sure. what that means really and how you do it. But I got. I know time people. Don't worry about it, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I know people. It's not a problem. Okay. Um, not That's an issue. That's not fucking ominous at all. <laughs> I know lots of people who for lots of lots of things. Um, I teach on the north side. Don't forget. Talking some of those special kids, set of skills over here. <laughs> some of those children, if I asked them to, would probably murder someone for me. So, like you know, here we are. Um... I promise I'm not a cult leader. Uh, we have Instagram. We have a Twitter that sometimes I remember to look at. Unless if you send us something that says Oilers because I won't see it. No. Because it's been muted and I'm sorry. Um, so if there's something you want us to read on Twitter, uh, maybe send us like a tweet after the one that says Oilers and then we'll see that one and I'll see what came before it. Or like um, the same... <laughs> The Edmonton hockey team. Yeah, and then we'll get it for sure, for sure. Um, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that is all. What else do we have? Oh, we have an Instagram, too, which we'll update at some point in time. Um, that is all we have for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. <laughs>